the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be uh, talking about a very tragic event that, in a sense, has... um, caused a crusade that at least is going to be doing something or has already started doing some positive things. Out of tragedy often does come some positive changes in our world, and this is perhaps an example of this. But my guest today is Tina Meyer. She is the mother of Megan Meyer, who you will remember from uh, having, or at least many of you um, will know, as... um, having been the 13-year-old girl who tragically died in October of 2006 when she was the victim of cyberbullying, not so much by uh, her friends, so-called friends or or other teenagers, but by um, a, a project that was orchestrated by the mother of one of her former friends. And um, this is now coming into the news because the mother of this former friend was um, is now being uh, charged in California. This occurred in Missouri, and um, we'll hear about all the details of the, the long road to justice, which hopefully is about to happen. Um, but um, but in, instead, it was an adult who was orchestrating this cyber cyberbullying, with of course tragic consequences. I call today's show MySpace Murder because in my mind, although Megan committed suicide after the cyberbullying, indeed it was, in my opinion, the mother of her former friend, um, Lori Drew, who is guilty of murder. I know those are strong words, but um, as you hear the story, from Megan's mother, perhaps you may come to that conclusion as well. So, Tina, thank you very much for um, being a guest on Dr. Carol's Couch today. Well, thank you for having me. Why don't we start? You know, the the media has mostly um, repeated some of the same sound bites, concentrated on what happened to Megan. But let's start before then and talk about um, your family and um, Megan's life before this cyberbullying occurred? Sure. You know, we live in St. Louis, Missouri, and, you know, Megan was, I was young when I had Megan, um, married, and I just wanted to have babies. You know, um, you know, my husband and I at the time knew each other since second grade, um, wow. dated in high school, and we're married. I was married, you know, when I was 19 years old. Um, he was 20. And I had Megan when I was 22 years old. Um, and she was just spoiled rotten, the typical first child. Um, grandparents, everybody just, you know, spoiled her. Um, she was 
very independent from the beginning. You know, Megan um, just always had that that will of wanting to do things on her own. Um, Megan, you know, enjoyed a little bit older, um, enjoyed doing a lot of different things, but Megan never stuck with one thing at once. You know, Megan, you know, tried ice skating and Megan tried basketball and just a ton of different things. We put her in a lot of different things, but Megan never stuck with one thing for a long period of time. Um, she went to a public school, and, you know, the community that we lived in was, you know, a, just a nice community, a great subdivision. We had great friends, and she just was a great kid. Um, Megan, you know, had friends. You know, she was just a great, bubbly girl. But Megan also did start exhibiting in third grade, um, you know, a lot of crying in the evenings. And as a mom, I thought that Megan was, you know, just overly tired, just that exhausted, playing a lot, maybe, you know, just tired and, and maybe needed to start going to bed earlier in the evenings and those types of things. And then, you know, as this went on in the evening, one night Megan did say she wanted to kill herself. She didn't like who she was. And... I obviously was horrified as a mom. Um, I slept with her that night, and, you know, immediately we took her to the pediatrician, and, you know, after taking her to the pediatrician, taking her to a psychologist, a psychiatrist, Megan was diagnosed with depression and attention deficit disorder. Um, now, this was, you know... Eight years ago, well, now I guess it's actually going on almost 10 years ago now. So it was um, when she was about eight years old? Right, correct. And, you know, so at the time, um, you know, I certainly was very concerned about her being put on medication. I was the type of mom who, you know, a doctor would still state something, but I never, you know, just said, oh, okay. Um, you know, I researched things. I looked on the Internet, you know, for hours on end and, you know, looked in books, would confer with the pediatrician on top of a psychiatrist, a psychologist, because, you know, I never wanted her to be on those medications, but it did make an improvement in Megan's life. Um, she was starting to do better. But, you know, children still um, still do get bullied, and Megan was one of those children who always wanted to seek the approval of other children. She always wanted in school to have those children always like her. And so Megan would always try extremely hard, like a lot of children do, to try to get that approval from other children. Um, and this went on through, um, you know, the rest of her elementary days. Um, you well, know, well, just to stop you for a moment. So what did they, um, did you, what did the psychiatrist and or psychologist say, or Megan, herself say was the reason for why she was, like, what changed? What made her all of a sudden start to feel depressed when she was around eight? Well, you know, it was the body image. It was, um, you know, she did not like her body compared to other kids' bodies. Um, she felt that she was fat, and um, that was one of the biggest concerns that she had. Um, you know, we had, at that time... I took her to um, St. Louis, had a program to teach children, you know, to be able to eat healthy and exercise and their well-being. Um, I even took her to something like that to try to give 
positive reinforcement for those types of things. And that was one of her one of her issues. Um, Megan was never a severely obese child, but you know when you have other children, you know children are going to make fun of other children whether they are tall. They have red hair, brown hair, you know, glasses, green eyes, blue eyes. Or if they're a little bit overweight, you know, that's one of the number one things that children pick on each other for. Yes. You know, um, weight is a huge thing that children pick on. It's the easiest thing to see. Yes. You know, if there's something easy and visible that's out there for a child to pick on somebody on, they're going to pick on it. And so... From you Megan, know, I've, was... seen, I've seen pictures, of course, of Megan, mm-hmm. and... Um, well, first of all, she was a very beautiful child. She she really yeah. was, and and I I know what the she was wearing when she was thirteen. When this happened, she was wearing braces, but she was about to get them taken off. Right, right. The day and she passed she, away was the day she was getting them taken off. Mm. And no. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so sad. But she she really had a pretty face. But I, you know, it wasn't so much that she was fat in from the pictures. Anyway, it's uh, your husband is very big, was tall and big. And I think it's more sort of the shape of her body rather than, you know, just being like uh, a round tub. (laughs) Right. Well, and I, you know, we as parents obviously always try to talk to our children and tell them they're beautiful, Um, you know, but again, it's within and it's how they feel. You know, somebody can tell us, you know, you look great, but it's within we don't feel that. Yes. It doesn't matter what somebody tells you. And the and media, the media, of course, um, portraying all these images that beautiful is being uh, anorexic, you know, stick right. thin. Um, it, yes, it, it does affect especially teenagers and even younger girls um, to right. make them feel bad about themselves. Right, and so that was something, and I tried, you know, we tried working on that with her and, you know, talking about eating healthy, and, you know, I explained to her that it it was, unfortunately, the way she was, the way I was born. It's the way our metabolism is. We have to, these are the things we have to do. Some people are born where they can just eat, it seems like, what they want. Other people have to exercise. Other people have to do certain things. It's just the way that things are, and... And Megan, at that age, it just was a hard time for her. And so because Megan would try so hard, sometimes children, especially with ADD, um, you know, sometimes will over, you know, try to overachieve getting friends. And then when they do that, in turn, they can turn children off. Yes. You know, they can be too too much in your face at times. And um, even though Megan did have, a, you know, did have friends, she would also then get that negative attention from boys if, you know, she was real goofy and laughing and, you know, would blurt things out. Then she would get that negative, which could cause them to, you know, be mean. And so that caused a lot of, you know, fat so. And in elementary school, we were able to deal with it on a, a better you know, it was more of younger children, and we were able to handle it a little bit better. Um, middle school came around, and at this time, you know, seventh grade uh, or sixth grade, you know, boys really started showing some interest in girls. Girls started showing interest in boys, and they just really did not give Megan the time of day. Um, Megan was the type of child that would stand up for somebody else you know, she would, I would get a call from the principal's office because, you know, 
some other girl was being mean to somebody else, and Megan would jump in and, and you know, try to handle a situation, but she would not, very rarely would she stand up for herself. Um, and so I would try to talk to her about, you know, please, you know, let's take care of ourselves. We have enough, you know, things that we need to handle on our own lives than handling all of the other things around us. Um, Megan started seventh grade, and pretty much from the beginning, it was a, a horrible year. Um, it really literally was, I think, children, you know, kind of start sixth grade, and they're kind of figuring out where they're, they're going. Um, seventh grade, it's like they almost get their feet, and they are on a roll. Um, they just literally know. Well, you know, we're on a roll, too, but that's the music that means that we need to uh, take a little pause in our roll, and we'll come back. Um, Okay. My guest today is Tina Meyer. She is the mother of Megan Meyer, the um, teen victim of cyberbullying in the MySpace murder, and you'll hear more about this And as we continue to uh, roll out the story. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. The Kerry Douglas Show, with the CEO of Worldwide Music Incorporated and the founder and publisher of Gospel Truth Magazine, Kerry Douglas. By tuning in weekly, you will gain insight, tips, and tools to help get your career started. From how to market yourself to distribution of your product, learn the power of faith-based marketing and much more on The Kerry Douglas Show. Join Kerry each week with guests from the gospel music industry, entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors as they discuss faith-based news, events, and trends. The Kerry Douglas show with Carrie Douglas broadcast each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and is brought to you by Gospel Truth Magazine and Worldwide Music Incorporated on the Voice America channel. The Carrie Douglas Show with Carrie Douglas, your premier source for faith-based entertainment, news, events, and trends. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST. 
4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking to you today about the MySpace murder. It's actually the suicide of Megan Meyer, um, a 13-year-old girl who um, was cyber-bullied by Lori Drew, who is the mother of one of Megan's former friends. And um, she will be put on trial We'll talk about that in a little while. My guest today is Tina Meyer, Megan's mom, and um, we're we're just in the midst of um, hearing about Megan's life before the dreadful, tragic events of October 2006. And uh, Tina, you were talking about seventh grade, right? Seventh grade, you know, for Megan was just a tough year. You know, children. They're they're obviously in their teen years, and um, you know. It was a year that Megan was trying to fit in, and girls certainly are at that time really trying to mature and trying to figure out where they fit in with the boys. And Megan was getting a lot of bullying um, in the lunch lines. You know, boys were stomping their feet behind Megan, calling her a cow. And Megan ended up stop, you know, not eating lunch any longer. Um, she didn't tell me about this. I just noticed that her lunch count was not going down. I couldn't figure out why I was not having to send money in any longer. Um, girls, after Megan passed away, told me that Megan and Jim, they would find her in the locker room crying because boys were calling her thunder thighs um, mm-hmm. when she was running around playing gym. Megan was the things that I saw as a mom, Megan coming home, you know, from school crying stating that, you know, they're just, mom, they're just horrible. They're being mean. You know, no matter what I do, they're they're being mean to me. She was having issues with boys um, in the classroom, you know, yelling at her or, you know, being rude, calling her names. Um, you know, I did talk to some of her other friends, and they would say, you know, the boys are just mean. They're just ignorant. Megan was trying to again, fit in as far as what the other girls were wearing. And, again, you stated it. It's, you know, and I try to talk to other children about this. What one child wears, you know, that you see on a a model at the mannequin at the mall, and you see it's a cute outfit, might look good on one person, but then you put it on three other body types, and it does not look the same. And that's the problem is that girls try to compare themselves to other girls, to other girls, to other girls. And when it does not look the same on every single girl, then they have a really hard time because that's what seems to be the popular thing with the boys. And so Megan always felt like she did not did not fit in, was never pretty enough, never 
good enough. And this is not something that just Megan felt. Many girls feel this way. And, you know, she would come home crying um, constantly. And, And I, as a mom finally had decided, you know what, we have gone through several years of this this bullying. And with her crying in the mornings, getting ready for school because she felt like nothing looked good, Um, you know, the short mini skirts that some of the girls were wearing, um, I didn't approve of. And um, the other items that, you know, she wanted to wear just did not look appropriate. Um, So we had a lot of battles. And we decided to, I thought there had to be a change, and I switched her to a private school for eighth grade. And the reason was is the private school was on a much smaller scale. Um, Instead of there being 500 students per grade, there was 60 children per grade. And everybody had to wear a uniform. Um, I was hoping that with the uniform that it would keep her on the same level as everybody else. There wasn't any competition. And she could feel the same as all the other children. And there was no makeup. It was those type of standard rules that you have in a private school. Um, You know, Megan did very well when we transferred her to the private school. I was really concerned she was going to, you know, throw a huge fit. But I think in some ways she was kind of relieved because it was finally a change. It was not all of the pressures that she was dealing with on a daily basis. So now let's talk about her friend Sarah, um, who is the daughter of Sarah Drew, who's the daughter of Lori Drew. Sarah's the same age. Was Sarah in her same grade? Yes. Megan met Sarah Drew in fourth grade at the public elementary school. And Megan and Sarah became friends in a classroom, and they were, you know, the typical typical girlfriends. You know, they spent the night at each other's house. Um, Sarah was more of the child that, you know, was pretty shy, pretty timid, um, did not veer away from her house, her family, too terribly much. So most of the time, Megan would spend the night over there. Um, and every once in a while, Sarah would start coming around and spending the night with us and doing things. But for the most part, it was Megan doing a lot of things with them. Megan went on family vacations with them to go visit their family, um, Glory hmm. Drew's family and Kurt Drew's family um, that lived, you know, within, you know, four to five hours away. And so they did quite a few things together, and they were very, very close friends all the way up until really towards the middle to end of seventh grade. And then that's when their friendship kind of started, you know, they started pulling away. Um, They did the typical, typical teen stuff where they're friends one day and they're not friends the next day. Friends one day, not friends the next day. And, you know, I always tried letting them work it out because the second that you get involved with that, with that situation, girls are friends the next day. And, you know, by the time you try to solve it, you, you can't even keep up with, with that. Unless there so, was something major, I so let do them you think, them Do you think Sarah was jealous um, or felt abandoned when um, Megan moved to the private school? I think her mother was. Um, Lori Drew always, always was involved with any type of a spat, any type of a situation when the girls got into arguments. Um, She would either call me on the phone, 
Um, it, it was always, what's going on with the girls? Why is Megan not talking to Sarah? Why are they arguing? What's going on? What's Megan's problem today? It was those types of calls, those types of, you know, she drove by the house, any of those things. It was a, a constant with those situations. And, again, I tried staying out of it because the girls are going to, by the time you step into it, they're going to have it figured out and solved unless there was a major situation, unless, you know, names were being called, unless something was physically being done, they're going to figure it out. Um, but not with that family. Um, they really took it to heart. Um, Lori Drew did not... They, I was a real estate agent at the time, and I had sold them a house from their previous subdivision, and they moved four houses down from the subdivision where we had lived. Um, and during that seventh grade year, they lived down the street from us. Lori was not happy um, with the fact that we were moving Megan to a private school because she had stated that they had just moved into that subdivision, and now we were moving Megan into a private school. Yeah, it but seems I, like they, like she was almost stalking Megan. I mean, she seemed to really want to be friends with or have her daughter be friends with, with Megan. I mean, she, it, seems, it seems sort of she, that she was over-involved or that it was really important to her that this friendship be maintained, but in a, in a somewhat pathological way. Well, that was, that was very typical of all of the friends of Sarah's. Um, the other parents that, you know, she had was friends with stated the same thing, that, you know, Sarah, again, was very timid, very shy, and the parents did not like the fact if somebody was, they felt, mean to Sarah or was not friends with Sarah or would go and hang out with somebody else. That mm-hmm. was not okay with them. They didn't understand why that would happen because if their daughter got upset, they, they did not like that fact. Um, and, you know, basically I would say, you know, kids are going to be kids unless Megan is doing something. You know, I will talk to Megan about it, but unless she's doing something, you know, I really don't know what to tell you. She, you know, she wants to go hang out with somebody else. She wants to do this, but she's still friends with Sarah. All I can tell you is if Megan calls to hang, play with her or, or go do something, and Sarah feels like she doesn't want to do it, then Sarah has that right to tell her she doesn't want to go do something. Right. That was always my suggestion. Um, So Lori claimed that the reason why she did what you're about to tell us that she did is because she wanted to see whether Sarah, whether uh, Megan was saying bad things about Sarah. And and did did Megan ever say anything bad about Sarah that you know of? What happened was um, towards the end of the seventh grade and that summer, in between seventh and eighth grade, um, there had became a lot of tension, not a lot, but there was tension between Megan and Sarah. Mainly a lot of it was the parents were mad. Um, the parents were mad at Megan because they felt that Megan was using Sarah. In what way? They felt that Megan would be friends with Sarah one day, and then she would go and Uh do something with somebody else the next day. Uh And it certainly seems like they were threatened by Megan going to this new private school that she would make other friends and leave Sarah in the dust altogether. Well, we need to... uh, we need to, to
to um, take a break right now, but we will be back. My guest is Tina Meyer. She is the mother of Megan Meyer. We're talking about the MySpace murder, so stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Everything you want, everything you want to do, and everything you want to have is right at your fingertips. People think that accomplishing your goals has to be difficult. Guess what? It doesn't. All you need are the right tools and a map. And that is what author, professional speaker, and now talk radio host Charmin Lane is offering you. Join Charmin Wednesday afternoons at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel for success made simple. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking today with Tina Meyer, the mother of Megan Meyer, who was the victim of cyberbullying by Lori Drew, the mother of Sarah, who we've just been talking about. And um, now let's talk about, let's sort of fast forward a bit um, and talk about what happened the, the fateful day or what was, well, before that, what was sort of leading up to that, what Lori Drew did. Okay. Megan asked for a MySpace account um, just about a month or so prior to turning 14. And I, you know, was hesitant to do this, but 
after thinking about it, I allowed her to get a MySpace, um, but the rules had to be in place where I and her father were the only ones that had the password to get onto MySpace. Megan did not have it. Um, we had password protections on the two computers in our house. Um, the MySpace had to be um, set to private, and I had to approve all the content that was on her MySpace profile, and her dad and I had to be in the room at all times when she was on her account. Um, if she, you know, agreed to this, then I said that she could have it. Um, if not, I said, sorry, you know, you're not going to be able to have it, whether she was 14 or not. And so Megan was excited, wanted to go ahead and have it. Um, and she started on the MySpace. Um, a couple of weeks into it is when she received the request from a Josh Evans. Now, again, you know, hindsight is, is 50-50. Um, you know, she did not know the Josh Evans. But I, as a mom, felt pretty confident that allowing her to be a friend with him, that I sat there and monitored probably 90 to 95% of everything she did on there. Um, I knew all of the friends that she spoke with. I even had a program on the computer called WatchRight at the time, which monitored every instant message that went back and forth and monitored every Internet site that was visited on that computer. Um, and I told Megan she could speak to him, but if there was one crossword, anything negative, he was off. So she, this boy um, named Josh Evans, Megan started speaking with him because Megan thought, Megan's thought was, well, Mom, he has to know how to spell my last name. And this is how children think. He has to know how to spell my last name. He has to know something to be able to, you know, ask to be friends with me when it's set to private. So they spoke, and it was very innocent. Um, it was nothing of a sexual nature as far as, you know, anything like that inappropriate. If it would have been, it would, he would have been deleted. It was, you have beautiful eyes. Um, what a beautiful smile. You take great pictures. How was your day? Um, you know, I think you're just a great person. These types of things that went back and forth, and it made Megan feel great. Again, I, as a mom, would constantly remind her, you cannot have a, a, a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship on the computer. Um, you, you have to have, you know, you have to have a normal, typical boy-girl relationship with a girl almost turning 14. Online, we don't know who these people are. Megan, remember that. But children, even adults, can get still their heart emotionally involved. Well, let me just, um, let me just interject. Um, there was a picture that was posted on his MySpace page, right, that, that of a really, where he was a really cute guy, supposedly, yeah. and, right. um, and he had moved into the area recently, which explained why he didn't have a phone yet, and he was right. homeschooled, and right. um, they, he didn't um, uh, suggest that they get together yet. Um, and after hearing, you know, the sort of the backstory of how Megan felt about herself and how other boys had um, teased her and so on, the people, notably Lori Drew, the mother, and, and Sarah, um, knew how vulnerable Megan was to the idea of a cute boy giving her attention. Absolutely. If I looked back at it and thought about it now, it, you know, the whole profile, well, the whole profile was set up so that Megan would accept him as a friend. He was a very cute boy, brown hair, blue eyes, um, you know, 
when I asked body type, you know, what type of body type does he prefer, he put any. Um, what type of hair, long brown hair, which Megan had. You know, those types of things, if I looked back at it now, you think, oh, my gosh, where was my brain at? Uh, but I wasn't thinking that. I was trying to allow my daughter as, as much protection as I thought I possibly could as a mother, but allow her to be able to be, you know, a, a part of what her friends were being a part of also. Um, so, you know, they spoke. And for Megan, again, she still had other friends. She was still speaking with her friends. But this certainly made her feel good, that there was at least a, a boy out there that thought she was pretty, thought she was beautiful. And Megan started feeling better about herself. She was losing some weight. She was exercising. Not only all just because of that, but it was part of it. It certainly was. And after about almost five weeks, all of a sudden, Megan received a message one evening that said, I don't want to be friends with you any longer. I don't think you're a nice person. Megan didn't understand where this came from. The next day, Megan went to school, was happy, excited, handed out her 14th birthday invitations to her school. I picked her up from school that day. She was excited, bounced out of school. Um, her friends were all going to be able to come. We went home that day. She wanted me to immediately sign her onto the computer to see what Josh's response was. What did he say? Was he still upset? Was he still mad? I signed her on, and I told her she had a couple of minutes, though, because I was going to have to take her sister to the orthodontist. Megan was on there, and they were talking back and forth, and she was saying, what, what is going on? Where did you get this from? He said, you heard me. I don't want to be friends with you anymore. You're not a nice person. You're mean. Megan was saying, I'm not a mean person unless someone's mean to me first. Who, who told you this? What are you talking about? I told Megan, please sign off. I've got to go. Her dad was upstairs sleeping. I left. Megan said, I'll, Mom, please leave this message, and I'll sign off. Megan left. I called Megan one time when I was gone, and Megan was crying. I said, what's going on? She said, Mom, they're being horrible. They're being mean to me. I said, are you still on MySpace? And she said, yes. I said, Megan, you need to get off the MySpace. She said, okay, Mom. I called her when we were getting ready to leave, and she was sobbing at this point. I said, Meg, what's going on? She said, Mom, I just can't even explain it to you. It's just horrible. It, there's all kinds of stuff going on. I said, Megan, if you're on that MySpace, you need to get off immediately. She said, okay, fine, Mom. I left. I came home. I went downstairs to look at the computer. She was still on the MySpace, and I was upset as being a mom because she knew the rules, and she didn't follow the rules. She was supposed to have signed off, and I knew as a mom she, all of these things would not have happened if I could have been there to help her with them. She was hysterical. At this point, there were messages not only going out from just Josh Evans to Megan and Megan to Josh Evans, calling each other horrible names. I mean, there were now two other girls involved um, from a different state. One of the girls was from Megan's previous school, and they, she was being called probably the nicest of the words that I can say on air is a whore and a fat ass. Those were the nicest of the words that were going out, and these were going to bulletins, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people all over the place. Hmm. And Megan said, they're going to believe them, Mom. I, as a mom, was trying to explain to her, Megan, you cannot be using these words online. You're no better than what they're doing. Why, why would you do this? Why did you not listen to me? 
And she got upset, and she said, you're supposed to be my mom. You're supposed to be on my side. And she took off upstairs running. I went upstairs to talk to her dad to go over what was going on, and about 20 minutes later, my, just, my heart sank. I just felt something wasn't right. And I ran up to her room and opened the door, and I found her hanging from her closet. And Megan, the paramedics got her heart started and breathing again, but Megan eventually passed away the next day. Um, we went back to try to find the Josh Evans account, um, not to place blame because at the time we still all thought it was Josh Evans, um, but there was no Josh Evans account anymore. It was deleted. It was gone. And at the time, what happens with MySpace is these messages start slowly deleting off when someone deletes their account. That's when we saw the last two messages to Megan, which said, from Josh Evans, which said, the world would be a better place without you and have a shitty rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Now, those came to her, and I did not see those messages. Um, we went through the whole entire funeral process. Lori Drew, the whole entire family, came to the funeral. Um, we went to their daughter's birthday party because Lori begged us to come, which was three days after Megan's 14th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um they came down and asked us to store their children's um, Christmas present in their, our garage, which is a foosball table. And on the weekend of um, Thanksgiving that year is when we got a call to come to a meeting. Um, one of the neighbors had some information and, and wanted our, our family counselor that we were going through at the time, a grief counselor, um, and any support that we could have to please come to this meeting. That's when we were informed that the Josh Evans account was not real that it was fake and that she had information because her daughter lives across the street from the Drew family, knew about this account the entire time, and she did not have any clue about it, that Lori Drew, her daughter, Sarah Drew, who's 13 at the time, and their 18-year-old employee who worked out of their house doing some paperwork knew about this account. Um, we went home at that time and destroyed the foosball table. It was the only thing that we could do at the time because we have another daughter to think about. If we did anything ridiculous, we couldn't do anything to, to raise her. Um, that was at that time when Lori Drew contacted the police department and we're going to try to, was trying to press uh, personal property charges against us for destroying that. That's yes, when yes. the police report came out. Yeah, which turned out to be her undoing. But, I mean, that's just unbelievable that, you know, she would be upset with you about ruining her foosball table when when she destroyed your daughter. I mean, this family definitely has some uh, psychological problems. Right. Of course, that doesn't help you and it doesn't help Megan. But um, we'll come back with the rest of this story after the break. My guest is Tina Meyer. She is the mother of Megan Meyer who committed suicide after being cyber-bullied on MySpace. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about the MySpace murder, um, which is, in fact, what uh, I call it, um, what Lori Drew, the mother of Sarah, did in her fake MySpace account, making it seem like a um, <laughs> a cute guy, Josh Evans was um, attracted to Megan Meyer, and then and then dumping her um, very, very incredibly cruelly. Um, so why don't we continue with where we left off um, with that day? That um, well, with. Where were we when we left off? We were talking well, about the the police report. She that is where we have the police report when she contacted the police and Lori had stated because we didn't until that point we didn't have any idea of why in the world would she do this. Yeah. And that's when Lori stated to the police that the reason she did that was to find out if Megan was talking about her daughter Sarah behind her back. Yeah. Um and during, you know, during the entire time, the FBI did collect both computers, the Drew's computer and our computer. There was not a time on the computers that they have found that Megan was talking about Sarah. But this continued on, this entire escapade continued on for almost five weeks. Um, the only time that I know of that Megan mentioned or said anything was she did, con- or did, she did from what I understand, is called Sarah a lesbian. Um, now, you know, certainly would I condone um, that Megan had called her name? Absolutely not. But do I think that that constitutes um, an adult acting like a, a child and doing something like this? Absolutely not. 
Well, was, um, this, children. To, was this to Josh Evans? Who did no. she say that to? She, I, mother this friend? was during the seventh grade, towards the seventh, at the end of the seventh grade years, from what I'm understanding. I see. Okay. So it was before the Josh Evans. Correct. That was I the see. reason why this account was supposedly created. I see. To find I out see. if Megan was talking about her daughter. Right. So and, and that, but so Megan called Sarah a lesbian to just some other friend. Correct. That's what I'm understanding. Uh-huh. And do I doubt that she did that? Probably not. Um, girls are, you know, Megan was not perfect. I don't know any child, any person who's perfect. I never claimed that my daughter was absolutely perfect either. Um, but she absolutely may have called that name. If she was the proper mother, she would have certainly came down and talked to me and said, listen, this is what I'm understanding. You know, can you please talk to your daughter about this or can you mm-hmm. find out? And I would have absolutely talked to Megan about that mm-hmm. because that's not something that I approved of. Um, okay, so go ahead. So then what happened? So then um, the FBI, well, the FBI um, from Missouri investigated the case for quite a long time. And unfortunately, they came back that we did not have laws in the state of Missouri. While they did find everything that was done um, unbelievable, there was not anywhere a box that is what they exactly stated, a box for them to fit this into. We didn't have laws. So there was nothing that they could do. Um, And the prosecuting attorney then, um, Jack Bannis for St. Charles County, um, did an investigation Again, the laws that we have, they looked at um, harassment, stalking, and they looked at um, endangering the welfare of a child. And with the statutes that we had, they could not use those for this case. So as far as Missouri was concerned, there was nothing that they could do. There was no laws that they could find that it fit into. Um, So... That was it. Um, we were obviously very devastated um, that there was nothing that, sh- you know, you can do this and then you cannot be convicted or held accountable for something that you've done. Um, we then found out that just recently, um, well, actually before that, um, my goal was to try to get laws changed in Missouri, and that's when in November of 2007 we spoke with a local reporter and our hopes were speaking about the story to be able to get the story out and maybe get the, the eye of some local lawmakers to be able to try to get some legislation to get some laws changed. That was the hope. And then, obviously, the entire media and the world exploded when the story came out. Um, since all of that has happened, now um, the Los Angeles Grand Jury we found out we did not contact them. We were contacted and told, and we were investigated by all of them. We weren't investigated. We were interviewed by them, um, and they told us that they were going to be looking into charges um, for her obviously using the Internet to be able to gain information um, illegally on my daughter. And that's when they came out with indicting her on four charges. And the maximum is 20 years in jail. Each charge carries a maximum of five years. Um, The trial recently was going to be for July 29th. And as of right now, it has been postponed. Her attorney needs some extra time to review the case. Um, It's my understanding it's pretty much standard procedure that they're going to ask for the case to be dismissed. 
Um, obviously, I feel very confident that Los Angeles Grand Jury, you know, reviewed the case tremendously, and they have a very strong case, or they would not have brought it forward. So, And we, and we should say that the reason why uh, there's a, a federal case in California is because MySpace is located in Los Angeles. And um, now the now um, it's being looked at in a way that um, federal wire fraud and cyber fraud um, is what they're charging her with, some of the charges, but it's because of also she defrauded MySpace using their um, website to, to gain information and so on. So that's... Uh, and, and I must say that I was really quite pleased for that. It seemed to me, I mean, I, whether that I understand that you were saying there are no real laws that that no box that it fits into in Missouri, but I almost had the feeling that the Druze had some kind of influence over the DA um, to get them him to not press charges. I mean, it just seemed so outrageous that there wouldn't be some kind of charges that I had to ask whether there was something going on behind the scenes that, that was influencing them not to do this. You know, I can't speak. You know, the only thing I can say is I don't, I don't know that. Um, I know that, you know, I sat down with an attorney, um, with a prosecuting attorney, and we looked at every single statute. And line for line, and if it did not fit into any of those statutes, they said that, listen, there's just nothing we can do. If it does not fit into it because the Internet has, you know, has exploded, um, the laws just are not, were not designed to realize that the Internet was going to be this way and going to be utilized this way. And why and, don't you, in the, in the little time that we have left, why don't you um, tell my listeners um, what it is that you have been devoting your time to since Megan's death? Okay. Um, you know, I had started because I knew there was something that I needed to be done. I worked with local lawmakers um, and in Missouri, and we did get the laws changed. Actually, it was just signed by Governor Blunt yesterday in Missouri, and we do now have um, a bill, which is... Um, which I'm thrilled about. It's Senate Bill number 818, which does include um, cyberbullying. And now it would become a felony if an adult is contacting a minor on the computer, the Internet, and they try to harass them. They try to do any type of stalking, anything. They took our harassment bill and our stalking bill, and they adapted those. And also a... Um, minor to a minor, it will also be a crime. And they're also requiring each school, if um, each school in Missouri has to report any type of cyberbullying problems and bullying problems, they have to now keep track of all of these things. So I've also been going to schools and speaking with middle school and high school students about the effects of words, bullying, cyberbullying, because it is an issue that just not Megan. But it's an issue that goes on in these children's lives daily, and it it is a, a really major issue, and I'm hoping that the more that we speak about it, the more that it's out there and we can try to, you know, help children as much as we can. Well, congratulations on that bill being passed. Why don't you um, also you. give out your website address so that people can okay. find out more information about this. Okay. They can go to, it's Megan. M-E-G-A-N, Meyer, M-E-I-E-R, 
Foundation at yahoo.com. And or I'm sorry, MeganMeyerFoundation.org. Um, and when they go through there, we're getting ready to put on, um, we're also doing the Megan Pledge, which is trying to get a million children to sign. Um, it's through MyYearbook.com. Um, they can go there, and we're trying to get a million children to sign the pledge for Megan, um, taking a stand against cyberbullying. So they can also go to MyYearbook.com. Well, that's okay. And again, the uh, website is MeganMeyer.org, and it's M E G A N. M E I E R dot foundation. org. Dot oh, org. sorry, foundation dot org. Meyer Foundation dot org. And um, I do recommend that you all go there because there are lots of well, there's lots of information um, and inc- lots of media interviews, and and it just makes. Um, I hope that uh, that we have gotten you as got, well. First of all, I hope that you, I've gotten you to understand. Um, why I call it the MySpace murder. And uh, I do hope that Lori Drew is punished appropriately and that uh, um, this bill from Missouri that you've gotten accomplished will spread out to other states as well. So thank you, Tina. Thank you very much much. for joining us. And um, I wish all the best. And thank you. I appreciate you having me. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.